Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the Turn of the Jets Digital Offseason Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is going to be the first installment of what we're going to be doing all the way up through the beginning of free agency. We'll do this two times a week where we're going to hear from a variety of different voices on what the Jets should do this offseason and what people think the Jets will do this offseason. If you recall, it did that in 2018 as well, and it was a very popular feature that we did. So I'm bringing it back, and we're going to start with episode number one here. And I've got two very interesting voices. The first one is Jamie Stewart, who is an Emmy Award-winning sports reporter for News 12 Long Island. And then we're going to stay on the Long Island theme with a longtime Long Island radio legend and a good friend of mine, Captain Kevin McPartland. It's funny because every time I talk to Kevin, it feels like no matter how much time has gone by since our last conversation, we pick up right where we left off. And generally, these conversations have a lot to do with the New York Jets, who both of us have been lifetime fans of. So I'm really looking forward to hearing his perspective. But before we get to Kevin, who's a radio personality, let's start with somebody who's a television personality. Now, let me preface this by saying that we don't normally have a lot of Emmy Award winners on this podcast Although we did have one, Corey Griffin from NBC Sports. He's been on a bunch of times, but I wanted to broaden the Emmy-winning horizons here on this program, and so I went out and brought in another Emmy winner. He was an Emmy winner for News 12 Long Island as a sports reporter, and you can find him on Twitter with some great takes. I always enjoy reading what he has to say. Mr. Jamie Stewart, what's going on, Jamie? What's up, Scott? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you about what the Jets are going to be doing in the offseason and what you think that they should do. So let's start at the very beginning of this, which is what they've already done. They decided to stick with Mike McCagnin as their general manager. Some people thought that that was a bad decision, that they should have moved on from McCagnin. Others thought it was a great move. What do you think? Are you in the pro, con, or somewhere in the middle camp? Uh, I would be in the somewhere in the middle camp. I understand why people would say his record does not give you any reason to believe he deserves more time. I get it. His saving grace was Darnold. The trade-off was bold. You could argue they actually made too costly of a trade, if you want to really examine it, because three second-round picks to move up, not for the number one selection, mind you, but to move up to have a choice of some quarterback. So it wasn't like they gave up three second-round picks to get the guy they wanted. They gave up three second-round picks just to make sure they got one of the guys. Now, as it turns out, once Donald fell and they got Donald, in my opinion, I knew he was safe because the ownership said, okay, this is a rebuilding plan. We just got the biggest piece for hopefully the next 15 years. So I get it. I'm okay with McCagman staying. His track record is not that great, but he got the biggest piece, and obviously, as everyone knows, this is the biggest offseason of his career with the Jets. And the offseason started out with a bang, although it was controversial, the decision that the Jets made to hire Adam Gase as their next head coach. What do you think? Is that a choice that you believe was a smart one, or would you have gone in a different direction? 
I understand that this is not a popular take with the millennials on Twitter. I'm a little older than that, so I'm definitely not a millennial. <laughs> I was fu- I was down with Mike McCarthy. Um, the guy was obviously a Super Bowl winning coach with Favre. He was coaching with Favre. He was coaching with Rodgers. He commanded respect. He brought credibility. I thought it was absurd for the Jets or Jets fans to say, nah, we don't want the Super Bowl winning coach who basically had come out and said, I want to coach the Jets. I couldn't believe it. But it's the Jets, so that's obviously what happened. (laughs) McCarthy was number one. For me, I was a little out there. I wanted Munkin as my second guy because I love what he did with the offense. Fitzpatrick in Tampa, Fitzpatrick loves him, and he had the NFL experience that I liked. Gates was my third selection, and I don't think for a second he was the Jets' first selection. That's my personal opinion. But is he a bad one? To answer your question, well, three years, sub-500 record in Miami. Now, Miami kicked the Jets' butt every time they played, basically. I was at the home opener this year, and I thought Gates ran circles around Todd Bowles. So he knows offense, checks that box. He knows quarterbacks, checks that box. He has previous coaching experience, checks that box. So if you look at it like that, it's a pretty decent hire. you got to hope now that he's able to galvanize a whole team and be the right guy for Darnold. But at least the Jets have an offensive mind. I expect Sam Darnold to take a big step forward this year. And if he's going to make a big step forward and if Gase is going to be successful, that's going to start with Mike McCagnin bringing in better players. As Jamal Adams said, he needs more dogs around him. So let's talk about how the Jets can do that. First of all, free agency, obviously. The Jets have almost $100 million to spend. Some of that may go to some of their own players, but a lot of it could go to outside free agents. I'm going to save Le'Veon Bell for the end because that's the big ticket item. But besides Bell, what do you think the Jets should be looking to do in free agency? Well, they obviously need a lot of help in some key areas. They obviously have been looking for a pass rusher basically since John Abraham. Demarcus Lawrence, I don't know if he's available. I would love to get him. Absolutely give him whatever whatever he wants. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to let him go. Same with Dee Ford. Yes, he doesn't know where the line of scrimmage is, but still, I would definitely take Dee Ford. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get rid of him as well. He could be franchise tag. So those are guys I absolutely would look at. Trey Flowers, a guy from New England, versatile guy. Another guy I would be looking at. So that's the pass rush. Now, the draft is obviously key with the pass rush as well. There's very deep players there, so who knows? We have to see how the free agency works out. On offense, the Jets clearly need playmakers. A guy that I'd be looking at as a receiver is a guy like Adam Humphrey. Young player. I think he's like 25 years old. He had 76 catches last year with Munkin in Tampa. Clearly hasn't reached his potential. And as a young guy, the Jets can get on the upside, and I think would fit in very well. I'm of the opinion you do not need a stud wide receiver. I think you just need a collection of good to very good ones. So if you had, for example, a Robbie Anderson and a Nudwa and Adam Humphrey, and then you throw in Herndon with an improved Donald, I think that is a, a very good foundation think the Jets' chances of getting Humphreys would have been a lot stronger if they had hired Monken, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and from what I heard, Monken impressed the Jets greatly. 
So I'm not quite sure why they wanted Gase over Munkin. I had read some reports that they wanted Rule as the coach and Munkin as the OC, which would have been interesting. I'd be okay with that, I guess. But I don't know. Munkin supposedly really impressed in Cleveland as well, and he went there. So, So for some reason, Gase, as a head coach, maybe it was Peyton Manning's phone call, gave him the edge over Munkin. I don't know. To take a Dolphin retread clearly doesn't pass the sexy test, but we'll see. I'll reserve judgment. I'm not a uh, a knee-jerk reaction guy. I want to wait and see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I actually wanted Munkin, too. He was my first choice, and if you go into our archives, you can listen to our candidate profile on Monken, where we dove not only into his time in Tampa, but also his time as head coach of Southern Miss. And there was a lot of success there that people don't really know about. He walked in there when they were 0-12 and walked out with a conference championship a couple of years later. There were some strange things that happened there in terms of money, and that's why he moved on. But if you look at the number of NFL players he developed, including Nick Mullins, who's now an NFL quarterback, I thought he would have been a really good candidate. But like you said, Gase is here now. So hopefully he makes the best of what he has, both in free agency and the draft. And that's where we go to next, Jamie, because if the Jets are going to succeed, it's not just about paying guys in free agency. The lifeblood of any team is the NFL draft. What do you think the Jets should be looking to do in the draft in April? Well, the Jets obviously could use that pass rusher, like we said. I don't believe Bosa will be there at three. He's the best pass rusher, supposedly. Um, If he is there at three, I would take him. If he is not, your choices are defensive linemen. We've been down that road every year. Offensive linemen or trade down. I would probably trade down, assuming some quarterback, uh, some team wants that quarterback out there, and you can get a few draft picks to help your team. Then you have to cross your fingers that Mike McCagden can actually make the proper picks with those selections um, and not give you another Hanson or Darius Stewart. But make no mistake about it. The Jets... In my opinion, a team's foundation is the offensive line. You can get these sexy players all you want, but if you have a really good offensive line, that quarterback has an extra second and a half to throw. That receiver, who doesn't have to be amazing, has an extra second and a half to break free on his route. And that's all you need. That running back has an extra little gap to run through. and makes average players look better. So if you can build a fortress... In front of Sam Darnold, to me, that is the most important thing above everything. We know they need a playmaker. We know they need a pass rusher. But if they do not have an offensive line, none of that stuff is going to matter. So, for me, build a fortress around Darnold via free agency or the draft. If they're able to build that fortress, then they need to surround him with weapons. And like you said, the Jets desperately need a playmaker. So let's talk about the biggest one on the market, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Last year, we talked a lot about Kirk Cousins and whether or not the Jets should pursue him. They did, and they weren't able to get him. He ended up going to Minnesota. Whether or not that ends up being good in the long run, we'll see. Obviously, the short-term thing looks in the Jets' favor right now, but it's only year one. However, Le'Veon Bell now is the big fish, and it seems like the last two years, for some reason, guys that never should have been free agents, Cousins and now Le'Veon Bell, are ending up hitting the market. So here's the question, Jamie. Number one, do you think the Jets should go all out to try and get him? And if you do, what would you offer him? What would be your top offer for Le'Veon Bell? You know, it's a, it's a really interesting situation. All right, so let's, let's break it down like this. What are the pros of getting a Le'Veon Bell? Well, 
he's going to be your best player, pretty much. <laughs> so that's your first thought. He'll be your best runner and probably your best receiver. He's also, I think, 26 years old for next year. So that's pretty good. He's got a good four or five years, I would think, of top-level football or close to it. He's got playoff experience. So all those are great. And Darnold desperately needs him. The $100 million, like you mentioned, it's no big deal because Sam Darnold's on a rookie contract. So this is not like the Jets getting an, uh, a player with a big name and throwing a lot of money at a position that isn't that valuable anymore because you're paying your star quarterback nothing. So it does work out in the Jets' favor. The negatives, I do not know if Le'Veon Bell is a good locker room guy at all. He held out for an entire year because he wanted to get himself paid properly and set the market for the future. So I need to find out if I'm Mike McCann and do my due diligence. Is this guy a good locker room guy? Is he tone time part two, or is he a good locker room guy? If he's a great locker room guy and everybody loves him, my choice is easy. Whatever it takes, 20-something million dollars a year, guaranteed. Make it put some clauses in it that after two years there could be some opt-out situations. I'm sure that can work out to coincide with Doyle's deal because if the Colts want him, the Colts have a lot of money as well. The Colts are better than the Jets, so you might have to really overpay. But I would do it if he's a great locker room guy. Now, if you look at the Steelers' reaction when he held off and he held out, they didn't really seem to care. And they were seemed, they seemed to be fine. Le'Veon Bell wasn't there. And look at their production when he wasn't there. It was okay. Look at the, uh, the Rams when Gurley was hurt. C.J. Anderson pops in, and he's fine. If you've got a good team, it almost is a plug-and-play position. But the fact that he's a great receiver can help Sam Darnold out. So I would go for it. The one caveat I will say is, look at when Eli Manning was a rookie with the Giants. He had Jeremy Shockey. He had Tiki Barber. Guess what? He didn't win anything with them. As soon as they left, the guy won the Super Bowl. So I wouldn't be completely mesmerized by these by these guys. It's more important to get the team. So I would just keep that in mind. But he's a very intriguing guy. My number one concern would be, is he a good character guy? Because if he's not, I don't know if Donald is ready to be that voice that's heard louder than Le'Veon Bell. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Whether you get Bell or not, what do you think about the idea of adding one of Bell's best friends, Antonio Brown, in a trade? It looks like he may be somebody that gets shopped in the offseason. A.J. Green, another guy who's been talked about from the Bengals, a dynamic receiver, although he's coming off an injury and a little bit older. Both guys are over 30 years old. Do you think those would be good moves, either one of them, to help get Sam Darnold over the hump and to the next level like you were talking about? Yeah, I mean, I'm not giving up a first-round pick. I mean, uh, would you give a first? I mean, look, you could argue giving up. I'd rather have Bell than, than than the Steelers receiver. I'd rather I'd rather go that way. But Green is an interesting guy. You wouldn't have to. I don't think give up that much for him. I think he would help. So I'd be interested in Green. But as far as Brown goes, I would definitely not give up a first round pick, even though he'd be better than probably any pick the Jets get. He's what is he? What is Brown? Thirty years old, I think. 31. So I wouldn't give up a first round pick for him, but if it, but if it was a second round pick, the Jets would have to get some, I would do that. But I would not give up my number three pick for him. No. He is an Emmy award-winning sportscaster for News 12 Long Island, and I'm really glad that he was able to take a couple of minutes and participate in the roundtable this offseason. Jamie Stewart, thanks so much for coming on, man. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you, why don't you go ahead and give out your information? I uh, appreciate it, Scott. It's at N12, N as in Nick Lowry, 12, uh, Jamie Stewart, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-U-A-R-T, so at N12, Jamie Stewart, it was a pleasure going on with you, and uh, like everyone else, I'm actually awaiting the new Jet uniforms to see uh, how bad they actually end up in. It's amazing that that's become such a huge subject on Jet's Twitter these days, that everybody's looking forward to it, but as a friend of mine texted me, Everything else with the Jets seems to be crumbling in some way, or at least it has been over the history of the franchise. So let's just look forward to something positive with the uniforms. I guess you can't really argue with that logic, right? I can't, but as a, as a Jets fan for so long, it's just in the back of my mind that it's going to be an epic fail. Somehow they're going to mess this up. <laughs> it's going to be something where everybody rips it. It's just, I, I, I'm old school. I like the helmet logo the way it is. I'm okay with changing the green tint. But, you know, I remember in the 80s, the Jets had that logo. And honestly, it was in the early 90s, it was synonymous with losing. So when Parcells came in and he said, I'm going back, I was actually at one of Parcells' first conferences for the Jets. And I asked Bill Parcells, why did you change the logo? And he said, it's a culture change. I want to erase this culture you go back to when the Jets won the Super Bowl and the players embraced it. I thought it was great. So I guess the Jets want to change the culture again. That's fine. Uh, we'll wait and see, I guess. I feel like this phrase has been said by Jets fans many, many times over the years, but I guess we just got to keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best, right? <laughs> has it ever worked? <laughs> Not yet, but it's got to work at some point, right? Law of averages, I hope. I. Uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's been about, you know, 33 years. <laughs> we are in the same boat, unfortunately. That's why we are gluttons for punishment, I guess. I'm really glad, though, that we could commiserate on this therapy session slash podcast. Jamie, thanks again so much for coming on. I hope you'll come back soon. You got it. Anytime. Take care.
Next up on the round table is a legend of Long Island Radio and also somebody who I love to do Mike and the Mad Dog impressions with. <laughs> you can hear him on WBAB, and sadly for him, he's a lifelong Jets fan and a friend of mine, Mr. Captain Kevin McPartland. Kevin, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, Scotty, it's good to be here with you. And, uh, you know, um, I can, actually, we don't do Mike and the Mad Dog. We just both do Mad Dog. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, uh, Mikey. I don't know about these uh, Mike and the Mad Dog impressions. I might have to uh, go and sue you like uh, Jamal Adams is going to get sued by the New England Patriots mascot, Mikey. You know, I met Francis this past summer up at Saratoga. Did you? What was he like? Yeah, he was, he was, he was nice. He was, you know... Didn't want to like hang out or whatnot, but I, he shook my hand one night. His horse, I guess, was racing. Uh, I forgot the name. It was like a horse that basically was, you know, like some sort of Mike uh, phrase they named it after. But he was actually very nice. The, the thing was that Parcells was there as well. You know, they used to be really good friends, mm -hmm. and they were nowhere near each other. Right. I guess him and Parcells aren't, aren't, aren't pals anymore. Trouble in paradise, I guess. It's not. <laughs> We've known a lot of relationships like that over the years in the radio business, which reminds me, Kevin, i got to bring this up before we start. For anybody that's unfamiliar with you, if you say the name Captain Kevin to anybody on Long Island, they all know who you are because you're synonymous with Long Island Radio. And I hate bringing this up because I know it makes you feel old. I even grew up listening to you, and I remember when I first met you when we were working together, I came into you and I was like, you know, I grew up listening to you, and you said something like, don't tell me that. It's just, <laughs> but then we became friends, and it's one of those things where they say sometimes don't become friends or don't meet your heroes or whatever. I don't know that I would say hero per se, but definitely somebody that was a role model for me coming up in the radio business. And I have to say that you are living proof that that is a BS expression because I would say that my life was greatly enhanced by our friendship, my man. Well, you're more than a kid brother and a friend. I'm telling you that right now. And you know you have. I mean, my, my son still like talks about <laughs> like hanging out with you. So, you know, you're part of my family. You always will be. And I really appreciate the sentiment. That was really nice. Um, and, you know, but again, we're, we're talking about the fact that I've been cursed as a Jet fan. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> your poor son is probably mad at the both of us for oh, yeah. influencing him to become a fan of this team. And this team hopefully will get on the right track, but they've been on the wrong track for the last couple of years. So let's talk about that a little bit. A couple of years? It's 50 <laughs> years since Super Bowl three. All right? Generations have lived and died since the Jets have been in the Super Bowl. It, it drives me crazy. Uh, and I've gone back and forth. I've looked, I look at the history and whatnot. And, I, you know, I, I love, absolutely love Sam Darnold, but I'm not enamored with this new coach well we'll get to that in a second but first i wanted to ask you about mike mccagnon what were your thoughts when the jets announced that he was sticking around he should have been fired i think two years ago at the, both of them should have been fired i don't think mccagnon is other than you know jamal adams i give him kind of credit for that um and, and people will say well reject we sam donald uh, i'm sorry you can't give somebody credit for drafting Sam Donald, that's like giving somebody credit going, hey, I found $1,000 in the street and I put it in my pocket. You know, th <laughs> that was the only option he had at that point. I think that he engineered the whole thing as, as far as cases. Sonny, I think, was afraid of McCarthy because McCarthy was a guy who had obviously had a much better resume. Had the Super Bowl, you know, he's been playoffs, what, eight times in his career. Uh, I think he should be gone. I think he's just going to regret not firing him. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to monitor because he's had a very spotty track record and he's going to have to improve if the new coach, Adam Gase, is going to be successful at all. And you alluded to the fact that you are not a fan of his hiring. What is it that you don't like about him? Um, the fact that his Miami record is his first season was fine, but so was Todd Bowles. He showed none improvement. He didn't exactly help the quarterback situation there despite his, you know, his uh, rec as a rep as a quarterback guru. Plus, he looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, he did definitely look like some sort of weird cartoon villain at the press conference, right? He looked like what's-his-face at the end of Roger Rabbit. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Kids, Google Roger Rabbit, because at this point, I'm not sure how many people are going to get that It's like reference. giant pupil-only eyes. It's like... Even then, as like a character from like Star Trek Insurrection, he definitely did not look like he was born on Earth. <laughs> Hopefully, he comes back to Earth at some point and helps coach the Jets. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Let's do a positive record. He's only going to be able to do that, though, if McCagnin puts better players around him like we were saying. And so in order to be able to take steps to make that happen he's going to have to first do that in free agency and that is coming up in march so let's talk about that before we get to the draft kevin what do you think that they should do in free agency any particular names and we'll save Le'Veon bell for last but besides bell what do you think they should be looking to go in free agency yeah we need to find an edge rusher um i don't think there's one in the draft that's going to come out we need to get donald better protection up front because you know, this is the guy that's your future. And I mean, I love the fact that he is able to move and make stuff happen. I absolutely love that. But you need a better offensive line. The reason why I think Le'Veon Bell might be a good fit is that you get a guy that automatically changes the defense when he's in the game. And when you have him as that option, they can't, you're not going to be able to blitz Donald as much. So I think, I think on the, uh, the linebacker side, we could probably use a good inside guy. I think our, Secondary is okay, and I know people always say we need wide receivers. We don't have a number one, but we have three guys that are you know solid number two receivers, and I think that you know I, I think it benefits more because you can't then concentrate on one guy. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. That's 100% the case. If you have a whole bunch of weapons, whether they're A-plus or just a bunch of B2B pluses, at least it spreads things out and makes it a lot easier for the quarterback to be able to have success. And so you would think that the Jets would be looking to add weapons not only in free agency but also the draft. What do you think, Kevin, if you take their strategy for free agency and then kind of extrapolate it to the draft, what do you think they'll be able to fill in free agency that they won't be able to fill in the draft 
And then are there any specific players that you would like to see them target or any specific positions you would like to see them target with their picks? Well, Le'Veon Bell is the obvious choice as far as the running back goes. Um, I, uh, again, it's not a strong draft for receivers. Uh, there are some good offensive linemen. There is not really a great edge rusher in this draft. So I think that they need to, you know, assess the marketplace. Uh, and this is, again, I don't trust McHagden. I don't think he's done well in the past. Uh, but I think that you, they really need to look at adding uh, at least an inside linebacker, an edge rusher, and one other offensive lineman if they can get a good one in the draft. That's going to be the big question because obviously you got to put a fortress around Sam Darnold and protect right. him, be able to keep him upright, even if he can move out of the pocket when things get bad. You don't want him to have to be running for his life all of the time. But if he does run for his life, you want to make sure that he's got guys to throw to and check down weapons. And so we talked about Le'Veon Bell. Let's get into that a little bit more. He would be great in this particular area because of the fact that he's not just a running back. He's also basically a wide receiver in a lot of ways because of his ability to run routes, unlike most running backs. So tell me a little bit about your thought process with Le'Veon Bell and how much money you would be willing to offer. Obviously, the fact the guy was able to you know, give up a whole year of his career in order to make a statement I find that at, at at some points admirable and some points troubling. It, he, you know, obviously, you know, running backs—they're like a bagel on a hot dumpster. They have like only a real short shelf life. And I think that this guy—you're not going to find the Curtis Martins anymore. They're going to last you twelve years. I think that he has—we have a really short window at this point. So depending on how much he wants, uh, I would. Give it to him, but it also like I would have an interview with the guys that he's going to play around and see if there's a, a chemistry that can develop there, because it's Sam's team. I don't care who else you're bringing in. Sam's got to be the guy that gets along with them. So they've got to really look at at, at the, the long picture as far as is this guy going to be able to be one of us instead of like just we're adding him and he's like he's the feature guy. He, it's not his show; it's Sam's show. What do you think about the idea of going into the trade market? Because we talked about Bell, and one of Bell's best friends is Antonio Brown, who may be available. A.J. Green from the Bengals could be available. There are other guys who are being talked about. Anybody that you would consider trading draft picks for to bring in here that's a veteran that could help add something to the offense with Sam Darnold? Not pre-draft, no. Um, I don't think any of those guys are really worth the risk of... And I, you know, Like I said... Brown's a guy that could be a divisive force in the locker room. Do you want to stack him with guys going to be on his side and make it worse? We saw what a bad locker room did when uh, Sanchez was a 2000 and, or 2011, when um, the locker room kind of fell apart. So you've got to make sure that these guys you're going to bring in, they're going to buy into the team's culture and you know, make it a, a one-for-all, not all-for-one. That is the philosophy that the aforementioned Bill Parcells seemed to employ, and it worked for him. So let's see if we can get that out of Mike McCagnin and Adam Gase. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. And before we go, I have to tell this story because we were talking about this off of the air. Just to show how far back we go, your son, KJ, is now 17 years old, which freaks me out because the last time I saw him, he was a little kid that I was chasing around the radio station we were working at at the time. 
But I still remember this, and I'm going to change the name or I'm going to leave the name out, actually, just so he remains innocent, even though he probably doesn't deserve it because nobody liked the guy. But there was a sales guy that we used to work with that I remember at the time, everybody called your son Kevin John or Kevy, except me. I called him KJ because it's just easier for me because if I said Kevin, then it would be confusing and Kevy sounded kind of weird. So I just would go with KJ and he didn't mind. He was fine with it. But I remember this sales guy comes up and he sees your son and he goes, how you doing, KJ? And he just looked at him and he goes, it's Kevin John or Kevy, stupid. Only Scott calls me KJ. <laughs> well, I got to tell you right now, they call him Cage. <laughs> I'll imagine. I thought for a while that he was going to be the solution to the Jets edge rusher problem. <laughs> hey, he still might be. You know what? I'm still trying to get him to go back to, to play football. He's got a senior year coming up, so... You hear that, Mike McCagnin and Adam Gase? You monitor that right now. You go over to that high school and you watch young KJ play linebacker. I think he's going to be the answer to the problem that has plagued this team since John Abraham. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, man. For anybody that's unfamiliar, tell them about what you're up to now. You're at BAB, right? Yeah, I still do stuff at BAB. I mean, I'm, I'm old at this point. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking up. Every time I look up at the top of the hour list, I'm like, damn, there's less sand up there, isn't there? So <laughs> I'm still, still doing some stuff at BAB. But, you know, it, um, I, I guess it's like partially retired at this point. My favorite thing to do is sit, look out of my backyard and make sure my cat isn't being assaulted by one of the neighbor's dogs. I do that all the time. Thank God that I lock my cat inside the house a lot of the times because there have been times when he's gotten out in the past and gone nose to nose with the neighbor's dog, and it's kind of a terrifying experience. <laughs> well, you owe me a visit next time you're up here, man, all right? Next time you're here, you definitely have to get, get over to the house. Yeah, absolutely, Kev. Again, thanks so much for coming on, man. And for anybody that gets the opportunity to listen to this guy when he's on BAB, I don't know when the next time you're going to be on is. Trust me, you're in for a treat. Like I said, he's been somebody that's been an inspirational force in my career in radio for a long time. And he became a good friend of mine, which I'm really grateful for. So, Kev, thanks so much again for coming on and talking to Little Jets with me. Anytime, brother. I love you. I love you too, buddy. And I love you for listening. I really, really do. Thank you so much for listening to episode number one of the Off-Season Roundtable. We'll have episode number two coming on Thursday. In the meantime, make sure you check out all the latest and greatest in Jets content and podcasts, and you know where to go for that. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.